Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. You hear that sound? <laughs> hey, everybody, and welcome to Real Life Real Crime Daily for Friday, the 13th of January. I promise you that's not going to be our intro mainly, but I'm Jim Chapman. And I'm Woody Overton. And I'm Mike Agavino. No spooky story today. No spooky story. Jason Voorhees. We might should have looked up. Yeah, <laughs> we do. Well, well, we have we have a freaky Friday story. I think out of uh, yeah, out of Wisconsin that uh, that we'll cover toward the uh, toward go. the end. But let's open up by revisiting a, uh, a couple of cases that we've been uh, that we've been covering uh, over the last few episodes. Starting with our uh, our favorite guy, Taco Vigilante. In Houston, Texas, and uh, he will continue to be known as Taco Vigilante because uh, they have not given out his name publicly. What we now know, though, is he is a 46-year-old gentleman who has uh, uh, is now up against a grand jury that will decide whether any charges are brought in this case. To refresh your memory, he was in his favorite neighborhood, Takiria, when a gentleman – came in to uh, rob the place and uh, and robbed uh, uh, all the patrons. And as soon as he walked by uh, Taco Vigilante, he Taco Vigilante got up, got behind him, and shot the guy down, killed him good, and then gave everybody the money back and <laughs> packed. Nine packed, shots, y'all. Packed up and went out of the store and, uh, uh, and got in his truck, which— Wait, wait, uh, wait. You might have seen them, even though they haven't released his name. You might have seen them on a, a edition of Barry Jackson's auto auction. Hell yeah, <laughs> All that classic. Look, Google is your friend. Everyone, stop right now. Go to Google and Google Google the Taco Tacarita Vigilante's truck. And what trust did you call me, it a Tacarita. Takir, whatever. Takarita. That's the that's the oh, Cajun version. That's the Cajun version. His truck, I think, ends the mystery of who Dumb and Dumber sold that uh, puppy truck that they had <laughs> hey, to. That thing might have a Hemi in it. Butt cuts. 
<laughs> it's uh, it might be the fastest thing on four wheels. Yes. The the best line of the day certainly is killed him good. Killed him good. I like that. That's a Mikeism. That was that, that was a Mike. Yeah, that was a thorough. That was killed him good and thoroughly. So uh so we will see what comes out of a grand jury if they try and uh and indict this guy, I think. Yes. <laughs> Google the ride. I don't think that's that's Chick going magazine. that's going to happen. Uh, let's turn it to to Idaho, where you know, this morning there's a preliminary hearing that I believe has taken place, but there isn't much uh, of anything to find out there on exactly what happened. Uh, Woody, those those things are uh, generally concealed. No, it's not even going to be concealed. If you're in the courtroom, uh, you do it. Uh, listen to it as jo- John Q. Public, but the judge has issued a. Uh, basically a restraining order on anybody releasing anything that goes on to, to, I would like to think that, that he's thinking to, in the future, to not sway any potential jurors because it's going to be a death penalty case. But there is that gag order, if you will, on information. I've got a question for Woody. I went on the state of Idaho's uh, court site and was in about two clicks able to find the name, email, and phone number for Ann Taylor, who is the court-appointed defense counsel in this case. And I was surprised that that was so easy to to get because I'm thinking in a case like this, uh, somebody like that might uh, uh, might have a bad experience with uh, uh, with some people coming after her or making threats at least. What is that? They have to do that by law. That's always done. It's a matter of public record, but you got to remember they. That's why she gets paid the big bucks. <laughs> that's right. As a, as a public defender in Idaho, yeah, right? Breaking right. the big bucks. Right. The, uh, but no, the. I mean, anybody can go in, and it, even though there's a gag order on news media and stuff like that, the the attorney of records going to be the attorney of record, and, and you. Even if they hadn't listed it on there, they could Google her name and find out what her office number is and email is. Should we give her a call and let her know we're rooting against her? How <laughs> no, I mean, she maybe got she's gotten a few of those calls. She, actually, she probably likes the attention. She's going to get future clients out of it. And you know, it's also uh, one bit of information that we haven't brought up in the Idaho killing is uh, uh, that has come out since our last episode on that is a woman who says she once went on a Tinder date with Koberger and claims he was very pushy and now she wonders if it could have been different. So, uh, you know, it doesn't surprise me at all uh, as we dig back into his background that he would go on a Tinder date. Number one, not hating on Tinder, but I mean, come on, man. It will not surprise. What happened to picking a chick up in a bar? Right. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Am I just old? Getting the number written on the right. right? Yeah. Instead of punching the cell phone. The um, it I was going on the record saying, I don't know if they can find it or not, but they're gonna dig into his ass and his past deeply, and he's got more bodies on him than these four. I, I don't believe this is his first time to kill. We shall see. Our next story is a story we unfortunately read about all too often. This case involves a pit bull attacking a seven-year-old girl. So a Louisiana man whose pit bull attacked and killed a seven-year-old girl has been charged with negligent homicide. 
In a statement, East Baton Rouge Parish Sheriff's Office, Eric Lopez is the owner, allowed the dog to roam free That's in a Baton Rouge neighborhood. That's the state law, y'all, in Louisiana. There, there is no leash law, but there is a law in the book that you cannot allow your dog to roam freely. By that, they mean you have to have immediate control over your dog by whatever means necessary. Yeah, and it's one thing if your four-pound toy poodle is yeah. uh, roaming around versus a, uh, a pit bull. So he allowed the dog to roam free in a Baton Rouge neighborhood before it attacked Sadie Davila, who was playing outside her relative's home last Friday evening. Davila's relative tried unsuccessfully to stop the attack by hitting the dog and uh, hitting him with a walking cane, and uh, she was later transported to a hospital. Uh, unfortunately, Sadie died hours later. The medical staff told the police the child suffered numerous dog bites to her face and substantial damage to her skull. After the incident, deputies and East Baton Rouge animal control officers found and captured the dog, I assume he has met uh, his maker at this point. Yeah, and then they have to, they'll send um, LSU Veterinary School to test him for rabies. Not that it matters because the victim's obviously deceased, but the um, tragic case of all y'all, I've worked several of them. One of them was an elderly couple that raised a pit bull from the time it was a puppy. They were out in the yard. It was getting dark. The husband says, tells the wife, go put him up in the in the pen for the night, and on the way, she's bringing, dragging him by the collar. She trips and falls, and the pit bull, for whatever reason, attacks her. Husband describes it as he can see meat flying off of her. He's an elderly man. He's trying to pull the dog off. Every time he get him off, he loses strength, have to let the dog go again. He would attack her again. L ultimately ended up killing her. Had another one, a seven-year-old boy, that it was his parents' dog, and they turned on him for no reason and, and killed him. I mean, this guy is 20 years old, this Eric Lopez. He was not even home when this happened. So he told investigators he wasn't home during the incident and that he regularly, uh, regularly left the dog outside and unrestrained, according to police reports. He was booked um, in an email to local families. The Baton Rouge uh, Parish School Superintendent, Cito Narcissi, wrote that Davila was blossoming in the dawn of her life an education with so much promise awaiting her. It's difficult to comprehend the enormous pain and remorse her family and friends are experiencing in the wake of this tragedy. How many more times? I mean, this is... Wait, hold on, hold on, hold on, because I want to say something on this before you get into that. Number one, there's a... Look, pit bull, people who aren't pit bull under, owners don't understand pit bulls. Most, 99% of pit bulls are some of the most loving animals you'll ever find in your life. Now... That being said, they get the bad press a lot of times because of their look. Okay, they're intimidating when you look at them. But I guarantee you there's probably a thousand of our listeners right now that own pit bulls. Yeah. And my best friend. Yeah. it is no different. Now, it is no different than owning any other dog. You need to be responsible. This guy was totally irresponsible. And it resulted in the killing of a seven-year-old girl. I'm not focusing as much as it being a... It could have been a German Shepherd. It could have been a Doberman Pinscher. It could have been a Rottweiler. It could have been a Datsun. It doesn't matter. You First of all, you don't let any, any uh, dog run free without uh, having a leash. 
uh, or a fenced-in yard or something like that. But a pit bull is certainly a little less predictable than most breeds, as would be a German Shepherd or a Doberman or something like that. Um, so we're not hating on pit bulls necessarily uh, here or pit bull owners. I am. Well, well Mike is. Mike, Mike, has, Mike, Mike don't like the pit bulls, y'all. Yeah. But – I know a lot of uh, owners of pit bulls, uh, and I've I've known owners that had them for 15 years, and they never done nothing but leg yeah. a face and stuff like that. But I've also known German shepherds to attack people. Yeah. I've also known uh, huskies to attack people. Yeah. So it's it's just a larger breeds are going to naturally yeah. do that. And it's the dog's disposition. My best friend Mitch Waller has one named Esmas, and she will sit in my headquarters and watching football and she'll lay sit with her head on my knee for two hours. I'll never ask me pet or anything. Absolute love, right? But you let another female dog come around, one of my female when she's there, my females are there, she will kill him. Not she won't mess with a with a male dog, but she will absolutely you cannot control her. She attacks females. So we keep them separated, right? But she also, if there's a deer on TV, she tries to attack the TV. <laughs> Guys, yeah, any, but not knocking pit bulls. I was just there's a grim reality though. Yeah, over eighty percent of these cases involve pit bulls, mm. right? The, that specific breed, and oftentimes it's a dog who, for seven, eight, nine, ten years, has been the perfect family pet. Never, they've never witnessed an instance of uh, that kind of behavior, and something triggers the animal, and boom. So the the lady I told you about, the elderly lady, they raised the pit bull from a puppy, and one day he killed her. I bet you can't say, I mean, that's like saying uh, Smith & Wesson's pistol is more dangerous than a Glock. Uh, it shit happens. Uh, it's, it was horrible. It's a tragedy, and it shouldn't have happened. Right. It should have taken more care and responsibility. Yeah, no one's saying that, that this guy doesn't deserve everything he's getting for the stupidity of, of letting your dog period yeah, roam all sure over he, a sure neighbor feels horrible about it but it's not gonna bring that baby back to life well what will he get negligent i'm sure some type of negligent homicide and let me um let me say this on that stat that 80 percent, and that's probably a true stat i haven't vetted it but i've never known mike to give me untrue stats that being said the stat in and of itself doesn't do a whole lot to change any sort of opinion I have because that doesn't mean that 80% of pit bulls are the only dogs that attack. That means 80% of pit bulls are the only, only ones involved in, uh, or people die from more from pit bull attacks than other dogs. doesn't mean that other dogs don't attack. It's pit bulls just have the capability to do more damage than a Dotson does. But I, I guarantee you, there's a lot of Dotsons that'll bite bite you in a heartbeat if you try to pet them. So that that's that stat, while true, probably doesn't reflect the fact that they're just more aggressive dogs. They just have the ability to do more damage, in my opinion. Yeah, that's definitely strong. But I'm not defending this at all. I thought you know, and I want to be clear on that. So a mitigating stat might be looking at. What dog breed has the highest attack rate, which does not take into account whether the person they've attacked has died or not. Mm-hmm. Would that be fair? Sure. Okay. So 
Let's ask. Possibly. I mean, I mean, again, you got to look at what's reported. If a if a Dotson bites you, you're probably not even telling anybody. It's just a snap, right? It's just a, you know, you you wash off your little two bite marks and you go about your business. Well, I guess the good news in the data is that only about ten percent of the time does a pit bull attack result in death. Mm-hmm. Which I would have thought that was uh, that was higher, but the Let's put it this way. Pit bulls were responsible for 3,400 attacks in this period, and the number two breed for attacks was a Rottweiler. Beautiful dog, by the way. At 500. So seven times more likely to attack than the second most attacking breed. I think think the the data makes it pretty clear. Um, I think you're taking a big risk owning one of those animals, and if you do, you need to be I would ultra, be interested ultra responsible. I I agree. hundred percent with that. But I would also dig into that stat a little deeper. I would be curious to know how many pit bulls are in the United States as a percentage of those attacks. So if you have a hundred thousand pit bulls and only three thousand of those attacks, you get a percentage. We're, I we're doing the per capita thing. We're doing yeah. the per capita well, thing. Well, it, it, it would tell. I mean, because your stat's no, going to no, go up no, more as, as, re, as a weighted I, attack if if you have, you know, a million dogs out there and and then the other breed like Rottweilers, you might have half that breed. I, I, I failed stats, but I think your your point is uh, is uh, is a good one. We'll Statistics. Have, I think we'll My have, favorite class. I think we'll, point is not only valid, but I, I'm pretty sure we're probably the only people in the history of the world that ever try to make that point. Uh, <laughs> Look, I'm outside I, the box. I, 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 lost, uh, I lost my 15-year-old Brussels Griffon this week. Who I can I can tell you the stats on him would be zero and zero <laughs> uh, and about uh, 25,000 licks uh, oh, in between there. Yeah. So, yeah, exactly. uh, Horrible story. Get, get yourself God a Brussels family. family. Stay, yeah. away, stay away from God bless that family. And, uh, okay. Let's move on to our uh, our lead story. Which Love is, our pit bull owners. <laughs> Let's, let's leave the pit bulls alone now, well, and uh, uh, Jim and I will continue to debate statistics on dog attacks here uh, <laughs> in subsequent episodes. Uh, Shout out to Astro for sponsoring this episode and providing us with free samples. My allergies are throwing my whole morning off. Do I sound different to you? <laughs> I love that. You sound like, <laughs> it's that time of year there, bro. I sound different to me. I feel like I'm in a submarine. Yeah, well... Have you tried Astapro? It's faster, bro. Oh. Right? Astapro is the first of its kind nasal allergy spray. It is the fastest 24-hour over-the-counter allergy spray. It starts working in 30 minutes while other allergy sprays take hours. Astapro is the first and only 24-hour steroid-free allergy spray. Astapro delivers full prescription strength indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose, and sneezing. Hey, I use this, and you should too, Jim. Last weekend, I planted my garden, and it's that time of the year, and my allergies really kicked up with it, right? I use Astapro every time my nasal allergies flare up, and I'm always amazed at how fast I'm back in the game, down on those roads, playing my stuff. 
Get fast-acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to AstaproAllergy.com for a discount so you can Astapro and go today. A-S-T-E-P-R-O Allergy.com. It's faster, bro. Uses directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. Astapro and go. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Let's move on to a story that's getting a ton of coverage, and uh, it's probably the top trending story in the uh, in the country right now, which is the disappearance. I guess we still must call it a disappearance. Mm-hmm. Uh, the disappearance of a Boston woman, um, Anna Walsh, and uh, uh, the erratic behavior, shall we say, of her husband, Brian Walsh, following her disappearance and maybe even a little bit before her disappearance. Uh, He has told people, Brian Walsh, 47, uh, living in the suburbs of Boston, that he last saw his wife on January 1st when she was supposedly headed to uh, Logan Airport to take a flight to Washington, Uh, D.C. She never arrived at uh, uh, her work location in D.C., and uh, the investigation started at that point. Anything to interject there, guys? First of all, I think it's important to paint a picture of her husband, Brian Walsh, who is obviously, and Woody, I'll turn to you and just ask you this question real quick. And uh, someone goes disappearing, and you and his investigator get the call. Who's the first person you look at? Uh, the husband or the spouse or significant other. Yeah, and and I would imagine you just your job is to rule them out. Well, yeah, or you have to start not. with them because you have to get get any information about the missing person from them, right? Yeah. And that's usually when I would use my spidey senses and bullshit meter and whatever. But you got to work it. Yeah. So Brian Walsh was not uh, what I would call a model citizen. Uh, in 2018, he was indicted on federal charges for selling fake Andy Warhol paintings on eBay. And uh, so that, that, you know, this all goes to his character. A little while after that, he took some painting paintings from a friend of his to sell on eBay, basically sold them and never gave the guy the money. I doubt they're still friends. So I I think the first thing you do is you kind of dig into someone's background and, and get try to get a, a good judgment on their character and who they are. And well, not only that, they would have they would have dug into their. Um, marriage and their financial 
background and everything else. They have any financial problems and have they taken out any life insurance policies recently? Everything is just all part of the investigation. Oh, and what has come out in the last 24 hours is that they began. So they, they had numerous real estate holdings. They began liquidating those holdings. So it, the, the picture is starting to uh, you know, really develop that they were in some kind of financial trouble. Oh. It hasn't completely crystallized the extent of which that was the case. But if you're liquidating all of your, uh, all of your real estate holdings, you're something's probably, going probably got to pay that guy back for his, uh, payments. He never gave the money for. Exactly. Yeah. And there was a lot of stress, uh, also involved in that in 2021, uh, Brian Walsh pled guilty, uh, in a plea deal on that artwork, uh, theft. So he was, uh, he had some fraud issues there and plea, plea bargained, uh, plea bargained out of that where he didn't have to be incarcerated. But that's a, that now you're putting stress on your marriage. You're dealing with some criminal charges. Uh, you're selling real estate holdings, which leads me to believe that you have some financial stress going on there as well. Well, he, ha- he has to pay for, uh, uh, for the artwork. So that would have to come yeah. from somewhere. Restitution lawyer, probably. That's right. So in December 31st, uh, that's when kind of this story takes place. Uh, Brian Walsh, in his statement to police, told them he and his wife hosted a dinner for for uh, New Year's Eve. They had a friend over, and they all kind of hung out, watched the ball drop, as we all do. And he goes to bed shortly after the friend left with his wife. Now, here's where it gets interesting, and this is – this is I want everybody to understand. This is Brian Walsh's uh, statement of events. I guess you could say he. They went to bed. His wife, all of a sudden, out of the clear blue sky, on December thirty first, turns to her husband and says, "Oh, now, I got a work emergency now, January first. Because now January first, I've got a, a work emergency and I need to fly to Washington for my job tomorrow morning." Okay, so they're going to bed after watching the ball drop, and right before they go to sleep, she mentions this. I find that very hard to believe. Uh, Remember the timing here. It's New Year's Eve. It's nighttime. None of this is mentioned until, uh, you know, whatever time in the morning, at least midnight, that she turns to him and says, I got to go to Washington. I've got an emergency, and I got to fly out tomorrow morning, which is January 1st, one of the busiest probably travel days of the year. Well, that would that would easily be uh, refuted or confirmed by her work. That's correct, right? and that get we get into that in just a minute. And uh, prisons so, are full of dummies. Yeah. Okay. So she gets she get you know she gets ready and kisses him by, tells him go back to sleep when she wakes up the next morning and leaves between six and seven a.m. to supposedly go on this flight for her job. He leaves home about 3 p.m. and he goes to get groceries. Now, this is all in his statement because they're, you know, what he, I would imagine you sit him down and you, oh, you're yeah, asking, yeah, what, yeah. Did, what did you do? You want to lock him into the original statement, then you want to try to, to prove or disprove elements of that statement. Yeah. So he's given him this statement and he says, uh, after he went grocery shopping at 3 p.m., he goes to his mom's house. He arrives there about 4. And that's about an hour drive from his home, but he leaves his cell phone. He doesn't have that with him, and he gets lost, making the trip longer than usual. So there's some unaccounted time there 
that the police were hounding him on. And they're like, well, how, you know, where were you? What, why did you not get there? It's about an hour away, but the, the timeline's not matching up here. And he said, well, I lost, you know, I didn't bring my cell phone. That's key number one. Who doesn't bring their cell phone anywhere anymore? I, I didn't bring my cell phone, and I got lost on the way to Mama's house. He must not go see Mama very much. Apparently not. And so that's how he explained that away. He said he left his mom's home about 15 minutes after getting there. So it's an hour away. You get there, you spend 15 minutes. And he said then he had to go run errands for her, pick up some medicine and stuff like that from CVS and Whole Foods to get some food. And he got home about 8 p.m. that night. Now, that was January 1st. That was the day she supposedly went on her trip and the last time anybody ever saw her. Good thing he worked in that quality visit to mom's house. Maybe he he had to get some uh, black black eyed peas and cabbage. Yeah. That's right. And, you know, it, it's a key part to this story as as we go along. There's no doubt about it. Okay, so January 2nd rolls around, and here's where it gets even more interesting. Anna Walsh's cell phone is pinged in the area of their home. Now, when police dug into that, come to find out, it also pinged on January 1st. But she's supposedly in Washington, right? So... That was something that raised some eyebrows. Now, Brian Walsh that day goes to a Home Depot, and this is really key. He's got a surgical mask on and gloves, and we're not in the middle of COVID. Everybody keep that in mind. This is not, you know, two weeks to flatten the curve. Well, they're pretty liberal up in Massachusetts. They may still be wearing masks up there. But what about gloves? You know, I mean, come on. Well, it might have been cold. Okay, we'll give him that. We'll give him that. So he makes... He gets $450, y'all, in cleaning supplies, mops, buckets, tarps, tape, $450 worth, and he pays for it with cash. Yeah. Who pays with cash anymore when they go to McDonald's, much less $450 of cleaning supplies? You know how many cleaning supplies it is? I don't because I've never bought four hundred fifty dollars right. worth. Right. I don't think I bought. But that it's a lot in my entire. Oh, stocking life. up on tarps is important this time yeah. of year. Yeah. Everybody right. should yeah. do that. Make and, sure and if you don't have any tarps in your house, mops. you stock yeah. up. Yeah, yeah. So if if that old radar you got in your in your brain right now ain't pointing upward, this is going to make you point upward. So January fourth. Anna Walsh's workplace. Remember the workplace she was supposed to be traveling for? Well, she worked for a real estate company. They called police and they said, uh, Anna didn't show up for work today and we're a little bit concerned. Now, obviously, if your workplace calls the police, you're someone that doesn't miss work. That's very out of character for her. So they call the police and, and the police go to the home to make what they call a well-being check. And and what do you, is that a common thing that y'all would do is these yeah, well-being well, checks? Welfare checks every day. Somebody, um, you know, whether it's a work or a family member from out of state that hadn't heard from somebody in however many days, and they normally talk on those days. And, yeah, that's a common thing. Yeah, you know, they take them very serious, right? Yeah, I mean, you, you never know what you're going to get. Most, 99% of them are bullshit, but uh, – Every once in a while, you get that one percent where, you know, yeah, it's yeah, on, it's on, yeah. So they go make a well-being check, and uh, and they talk to Brian Walsh, 
and everything I just told you. He com- kind of compiled a timeline, and they sat down, and that's what he said as to his whereabouts. So January 4th comes and goes. January 5th. Uh, I imagine one of the qu- questions whoever uniform patrol goes to make the welfare check, right? And they would have been like, oh, this is bullshit. Call the detectives. They tell the detectives, detectives come. You say, hey, why don't you come in? And let's just, you know, obviously your wife is missing. And how, how come was the last time you talked to her and blah, blah, blah. And and then they built the case from there. But go ahead. Absolutely. So, you know, January 5th comes around and the police they're concerned. And so they go ahead and they announce that she's missing and they announce that it was shortly after midnight on New Year's Day that anyone uh, had seen her. And of course, the last person to see her was Brian Walsh, her husband. Uh, and then January 6th, they decide they're going to launch a massive search. Now, that included canine officers, search and rescue teams, and they lived in an area that was wooded. So, you know, it wasn't the easiest search in the world. They had to have several teams do that, and that's that's what they did. They searched for her. And in the meantime, this is really interesting, six investigators are tasked with basically watching surveillance video of everywhere that Brian Walsh said he was. And all they're doing here is, I'm sure like all of you probably have right now when, it, when we've read you this timeline, but everybody's like, hmm, this dude don't seem right. Something seems off here. It's not adding up. Well, they got the same suspicion. They watched the surveillance video, and guess what? They don't see him on any video on Whole Foods or CVS on January 1st, as he had told them. Lie number one busted. So what do you say something a lot? And that is, what doesn't ever change? The truth. The truth never changes. So um, he's already going to have to explain that one away. But that was enough. That was enough for them. They realized uh, okay, he, boom, we got him dead to rights. He lied to us, and on January 8th, they arrest him and charge him with misleading a police investigation. Right. Uh, absolutely the correct thing to do. They, they gave him enough rope to hang himself. He's obviously no criminal mastermind. Um, at some point, you have, when you have enough that you believe it's him, you have to, in effect, arrest. And I've done it a lot of times, y'all, like Screwdriver Red. I arrested him for obstruction in we had no body or anything else but they arrest them one of the reasons you arrest them is you figure if you put those shiny bracelets on they might be more apt to talk and or change facets of their stories that they know they've screwed up on the other thing is when you do that um you'll get people to come out of the woodwork and tell you information about this character yeah, so they arrest him. He gets a reigning court, and as is common in every case in the world, he pleads not guilty. You never plead guilty on an arraignment, right? And you know, uh, so investigators uh, they start looking, and they have a they're kind of in a pickle here because they don't have a body. They they don't at this time have any uh, uh, smoking gun evidence, but they start questioning a lot of events that Walsh said take place because her car is still at the house. But they can't find any evidence of her leaving the house with a Uber 
or with a rideshare company of any sort. So they get a search warrant, they search the house, and they find blood and a bloody knife in the basement. Holy crap. Yeah. Uh, Why do you have a bloody knife and blood in your basement? I mean, I don't think we all need to be Woody Evertons to figure that one out, right? right. So the judge sets the bail at $500,000 cash, and and the next hearing set for February 9th on that particular case. Is that because the judge knows Walsh deals only in cash? (laughs) It could be. Yeah, he he don't use debit cards. He swore off credit. Yeah. (laughs) Sure, whatever the prediction is, he killed her wherever he killed her, took her to the basement and uh, practiced home carving, if you will, cut her up, dismembered her, used tarps, and they'll find her somewhere. Uh, if you watch Yellowstone, they'll find her at the train station. <laughs> and let me ask you this, Woody. Let me ask you this. This is uh, not some- making light of it, I feel for her, but fuck him. So, even though. All the evidence, or all the timeline I just read to you, if you if it is not screaming this dude did it, I don't know what will. But all of that being said, how important is it from an investigator standpoint to have a body and uh, an evidentiary standpoint? The, the that's a really great question. It goes back to the old joke about what, what was that lawyer um, in the wheelchair? Ironside. Ironside. Did the um, is doing his closing arguments or, or calling a witness? Uh, the the body was missing of, of the spouse, right? And he said uh, when he went to call his next witness, he called the victim's name, the the spouse's name, whatever's Mary Jane. And I'll call the next witness, Mary Jane Jackson. And everybody's like freaked out, and everybody looks at back back to the door. For the door open, everybody looked except for the accused. He looked straight ahead because he knew that bitch wasn't showing up. Yeah. Right? Um, but they've gotten away with it. It used to be they didn't wouldn't prosecute without a body. Now they will. Yeah. It, it's uh, But they're going to find her. Um, they're going to find whether the seasons are going to change and people are going to get back out in the woods or whatever. He went somewhere known to him, not far away, Maybe somewhere in between his mother's house, uh, wherever. Maybe he went the other direction. It doesn't matter. Somebody's mm. going to find her. They're going to find her remains, and they're going to tie him in. The one, one, what I should have said earlier is what I want to say before I forgot was um, them arresting him on the obstruction or whatever they call it. At some point, you have to do that to try to get more information out of him and confront him on everything that you have. But it also becomes a public safety concern. If, if you truly do believe he killed his wife— and you leave him out on bond, then he kills somebody else. You're responsible. Right. And uh, last thing I'll say on this, but we pretty much covered, you know, up to the present time. But you mentioned maybe somewhere in between his mom's house and his house. And it's it's strange you mentioned that because you're absolutely right. The police were looking for connection. They they think some something was strange about when he went to Mama's house because he was only there fifteen minutes. He claimed he ran these errands that he didn't run. Did they uh, ask Mom? Did he ever show up? He, he was there for fifteen minutes. Yeah, so they, but the problem was, he 
told them he went to CVS and Whole Foods after, and he's not on any videos. So where was he? The the reason I'm asking that, and I wonder if his child, if his childhood home, because the bad guys when they get away with it or getting away with it, always or or if they're on the run, always. 99.9% 99.9% of the time return to an area that's safe to them that they know. And certainly if, if I'm going to dump a body and I grew up in that house and I knew, you know, the canyon in the backyard, he's playing, whatever. He, he dumped that body somewhere it's known to him. Well, he had and, time enough to think about it. Uh, if he had time enough to, to cut her up in the basement and, and wrap her in tarps, he had time enough to think, hmm, I used to go deer hunting here and I know there's a thicket, da, da, da. Yeah, and they did search a dump site i guess where they dump trash and stuff around his mother's house and they found a hacksaw blade with some blood on it and some blood in the area now no body but um they come awfully coincidental they come back and it's her no such thing as coincidence and if they come back and it's her dna on it i'm sure they'll prosecute him with with the murder with a you know a certain amount of blood is only a certain amount of blood is in your body, and you know you got blood in the basement, you got blood in the woods, and both DNAs come back to be hers. He puts himself in the area, going to mom's house for cornbread and cabbage and black eyed peas, whatever stays fifteen minutes. That's they're, they're going to do his ass. Yeah, we'll I think be featuring him on a dumbass criminal episode of Bloody Angola. One hundred percent, and <laughs> and I think that the fact that he lied about that particular time and that particular day to me, if I were an investigator, I would say, well, there's the time and the day because that's where he lied, yeah. and so he's lying for a reason, and yeah, the that. reason is he was hiding a body, in my humble opinion. Yeah, there, there are a couple other circumstantial things. Uh, we talked about them uh, liquidating assets. So they had a they had tenants in one of uh, the uh, uh, condos that they owned. And three days before Anna went missing, she and Brian told their tenants that they were uh, that they were going to sell their rental property um, out from under them because these guys were were living. I bet in you. The, uh, I bet you it was only Brian that told them that. Um, I bet you Anna didn't know. Well, the. Uh, the renter, Mike Silva, told uh, CBS Boston that uh, it felt like a personal betrayal after he had been uh, led to believe they'd eventually sell the apartments um, to him and his fiance. So they, when they rented them, yeah. were under the impression they were going to be able to not uh, to buy the, them. Not outside the frauds. Okay, so the, it, yeah, he had no integrity. Um, so they got into a heated argument about this, and you know they were considered close friends prior to that. So after cooling off, uh, this guy Silva sent Brian a text wishing him a happy new year. He received a reply on January 2nd. It said, happy new year. Sorry for the delay. I misplaced my phone and my son just found it. There was no mention of the fact that his wife was missing. So, right, right. Uh, so he, <laughs> uh, he left out. Uh, sorry, uh, um, I haven't been responding because my wife's missing. Yeah, so he, he left out that uh, uh, that that little piece, um, which seems like it would be pretty important. One other thing is that Anna tried calling friends and family on the night she vanished. So uh, she tried to reach her mother, sister, and her maid of honor who lives in Serbia around midnight on New Year's Eve and again at 1 a.m., according to her mom. 
Okay, so the family members were asleep at the time. So while Ms. Walsh's friend was at a New Year's Eve party and the one, the, one of the other ones was at a New Year's Eve party and didn't hear the phone. So that's a weird she, time to be reachable. Well, I guess she could be, not really. could be I mean, wishing but, Happy New but Year. But it could also yeah, be. I, I think that's be, what that was about. We got turned and he put his hands on me. And, hey, I'm, I'm t- calling you all to say I'm leaving him and that's motive for murder. Could be. I my personal feeling is um, my wife calls her mom on New Year's Eve at, at midnight. midnight. Oh, yes. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it says Happy New Year. I mean that still that, 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 still that happens, especially your sister or yeah. something. I mean, I, I could see her getting ready for bed and hey, oh, let, me, let me see what they did tonight. The make calls. sure they're home safe. Whatever. It, uh, if they missed the phone calls, she, she should have called them on January one. Said Happy New Year's. <laughs> but you know what? She wasn't breathing. She'd be dead. Yeah. So sorry for the family. Sorry for the victims. Yeah, very, very. And and I pray that her body is found and, and she gets a proper burial and all, yeah. all of those sort of things. And the person responsible gets justice. Yeah. It's uh, interesting. But, and you know, I think the only reason this hasn't gotten more national attention is because of Idaho murders and other things like that. But when they find her bodies, you better believe. And it's trending pretty heavy right and, now. And, and we'll bring it up to y'all. We'll keep you updated. Massachusetts doesn't have death penalty, do they? I don't think so. I don't, I don't know. So. There's 27 states left that do, and I don't think they're one. But you know what? It doesn't matter. He, I doubt it. Get life. See, they, they, they could have some really cool. They, they, they wouldn't need a needle or anything. You could get so many great white sharks out there in the water yeah, right. over there. You could just take that guy. Well, Put a few cuts in them and just dip them in the that would be really in the water cool there to out toward Nantucket and just. I, I think even cooler would be taking him back to his house, take him in the basin, and let a jury of his peers cut him up with a knife and put him in a tarp. <laughs> take him, take him to Home Depot first. With a that way, that one. that tarp doesn't go to waste either, because yeah. I mean, he spent good cash on right. that. On no, that I tarp. think the tarp would be cheaper than lethal injection or. The appeals on the death penalty process. I'd imagine. And a lot quicker. Hey, we certainly have no direct knowledge that he did it, but fuck him if he did. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Guilty. Well, speaking of guilty... 
uh, we our next story is from someone who seems to be quite proud of uh, oh of her God. guilt. Oh my God, y'all, I've been this a long <laughs> time. Wait till you hear this. I had no knowledge of this story ahead of time. I got something now. Uh, and you're about to be blessed. You may have heard the story. It actually happened a little while ago, but it didn't get outside of uh, of the state of Wisconsin in that area. It didn't get a lot of coverage. And Can't imagine why. We, we, anyway, shout out to my people in Wisconsin. My, my brother from another mother, Shane, is on it. In somewhere in Mississippi right now, driving down to see our first bloody angle alive. I go up there a couple times a year. Best people in the world. I call it the Louisiana of the North. The, the, they're known for beer and cheese and Brett great, great people. <laughs> there, there are great people in Wisconsin. There also are, there I don't know why, uh, a lot of strange things. Yeah, uh, uh, Green Bay area, especially, a lot of strange stuff. A lot of strange stuff. I wonder if that tracks for good Packer years, bad Packer years. Uh, and uh, this obviously would be a bad Packer year, so that would, Boy, maybe, uh, would, would maybe coincide with this. But uh, this woman who uh, changed her name um, to Taylor Shabusiness. <laughs> just right there. It's just get oh, just gets stupider from there. Shabusiness. Taylor, Shabusiness. Taylor, Taylor, Taylor Shabusiness. Taylor Shabusiness. Shabusiness to the main stage. Shabusiness. Is, to the main stage. Yeah, I think Shabusiness was in that business. Um, is accused. She's 24 years old, accused of strangling her lover with a chain during sex. But after she strangled her lover with a chain during sex, she's accused of dismembering his body in the basement of his mother's home in Green Bay. Her lover, Shad Therian, um, well, a body part of his, let's say it's the body part immediately north of the neck, was found in a bucket by the stairs um, by his mother. So, so Shabusiness gave him the Shabusiness, and uh, uh, I mean, I I guess the sex was not good. I I don't know, but but immediately after she strangles him and then dismembers him and and takes his uh, head and puts it in a bucket in a spot where she knew his mother would discover it any any thoughts so far guys yeah so she's 24 years old and and um in the prime of her life and you know uh these kids today they like the choking apparently and she took it a little bit too far and and uh if you if you read what we read she was primarily choking him just for like the sexual gratification that she got out of it and that he supposedly got out of it. All, and then was, they were drugged auto, up. They were auto, auto yeah. viciation is what it's called. Choking right at point of orgasm to make the orgasm more intense. You wonder why Woody Everton knows so much about everything. That, <laughs> FBI told me. <laughs> the FBI yeah. told me. So he, um, so she, was in the process of doing this and could feel uh, this massive rush of of energy because she could see he was about to die. So right. instead of letting off at that point, she kept choking him with this chain yeah. until he died. And as Mike just mentioned, they were they were high on on many drugs. But yeah, the- and and. Uh- it's pretty clear she didn't intend on getting away with this. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you don't leave the head in the bucket. <laughs> with this crime. But, but 
You haven't touched on the best part yet to me. I, and there's no great part to y'all. Heart goes out to the victim's family as usual. But the she confesses to police that after he is dead, after she killed him, she gave him oral sex and used sexual toys on him. There you go. I mean, she told it. She's, she's no shame. I have no words. No shame in Shebang's game or whatever her name is. No shame in her game. I killed him, decapitated him, and left the head in the mop bucket for mama to find. And but I blew him and used toys on him. Now there's only so many ways you can use a toys on a man. Um, I mean, I'll just let your mind wander on that one. After you're dead, I don't, I don't know, I don't get it. Yeah, she They were. She was. That must have been some good shit they were on. They were both high on meth. And uh, is a sex drug. we're also uh, taking trazodone, which is a, a powerful sedative, uh, in addition to the meth. Pain pill. Yeah. So, um, well, is trazodone pain pill? Oh, I thought you said trimadol. Oh, no. Trazodone. Okay, yeah. Trazodone is down here. Right? So, uh, so they were definitely not in their right state of mind, although something tells me even with no drugs at all, uh, Shit Business is a party girl. Shit Business had a husband. Warren. Yeah. That's right. Her husband doesn't seem like a guy named Warren should be marrying should business, but, uh, but they also had, she had just become a mother. Mateo. I mean, that's some kind of crazy, this lady really is. And when the police told her, Hey, we found a bucket with a head in it. Uh, she stated that's fucked up. That was her. That's pretty fucked up. That was her comment back to him. Uh, well, we would agree with you, show business. That is pretty show fucked up. Business. Yeah, she apparently told detectives that when she put the chain on uh, Therian, uh, which she compared to like a, a dog choke collar, she just went crazy and uh, and strangled him. She said she could feel his heart beating, so she kept pulling and choking him harder, claiming that he would not die. As he just kept, uh, uh, yeah, just kept struggling. I guess uh, she told how she sat on top of him, choking him while he lay face down on the bed, and how she watched as he coughed up blood and wanted for him to die. At some point, she admitted she knew that he was dead, as his face was purple and the blood was coming from his mouth. Still, she told detectives that she was already this far, so why bother stopping? Yeah, cut off his head. Off with his head. Off with his head. And then she actually, after the dismemberment, she grabbed the legs and body parts and loaded them in her vehicle. And the reason the head even got discovered by his mother was she forgot the head. So That was was after she performed oral sex. Yes. And, you know, I I don't really get that. I'm sitting here thinking about it. Rigor doesn't set in for a couple hours. If she had to hold it in a certain position and rigor set in, maybe she could get something out of that. I don't get it. Yeah. So when officers brought this up that, hey, you left the head, she basically said, damn, the head? I can't believe I left the head. (laughs) Before telling the officers uh, they were going to have fun trying to find all the other organs. Here's a uh, here's a. (laughs) I wish you guys could see this. Uh, Here's a Facebook post of uh, show business with her husband Warren, and uh, uh, 
they've uh, she's she's put the saying loyalty over love underneath the uh, uh, the photo. But you know, Warren almost looks in this picture like he knows that this is going to end bad. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. It was going to end bad with your business. <laughs> Warren, it did end bad. We're sorry, buddy. Yeah. Y'all. You know, it's a true crime show. Uh, the murder is no joke. But, I mean, if you can't laugh, it's your business. And sex after you're dead and sex toys and whatever. whatever. Jobs. Blow jobs. Whatever. Head in a bucket. Damn, I can't believe I left that. Again, should be on a bloody angle, a stupid criminal episode. But horrible story. It really is a tragedy, and evidently it got lost everywhere except for up in Wisconsin and wherever Mike found it. I'm wondering how Mike comes Mike, across can we that. See your browser, no, 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 uh, no tracking Mike. Mike. Mike goes to strange places. You don't know that, Mike. <laughs> All right, our last story of the day. Our last story of the day. Um, and if you're in this part of the country, uh, you are probably familiar with, uh, the New Orleans mayor, um, (laughs) Tanya Cantrell, Latanya, Latanya has her detractors. She also has her fans. She was, she she was elected into office and, uh, New Orleans has a significant crime problem. Um, when you, uh, I don't know if that's a surprise to, uh, to you out there, but New Orleans will uh, will make most lists on violent crime, murder, uh, et cetera, that are out there. Um, uh, certainly on a, a per capita basis, but uh, uh, but oftentimes just on the uh, on the raw stats. And so our uh, our mayor in New Orleans has um, has drafted a uh, a new plan to fight crime, and uh, she's made her first major move by creating a task force. That's love. That's, that is pure. That is pure glitter for the public. That's exactly right. right. Are you saying that you've never seen task forces? I've been Uh, on tons of task force, but they're only developed to appease the public. Yeah. You know why she developed a new plan? Because our old fucking plan wasn't working. That would be exactly right. So, and I, I'm going to create a task there, force. There are a lot of people on this task force. I won't bother reading yeah. all of the people on this right. Uh, right. task force, but uh, uh, there's an old saying that a, a camel is a horse designed by a committee. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah, they're, they're, they're not they, going to get You know why they publish all that? Because when this task force doesn't work, she's going to blame it on all of them. <laughs> task force members. Now, and, and I will say, look, uh, obviously, and I'm – I'm no defender of Mayor uh, Cantrell, but I will say a task force is one thing, and that's acknowledgement that there's a problem. If you if and you can't, of course, she couldn't run away from the problem. It's it's glaring, uh, and I'll tell you, you know, that's a task force that is basically labeled as a violent crime task force. Um, they have a lot of issues that even aren't violent crime related. Believe it or not, they've had 493 break-ins into vehicles in New Orleans already this year. And we're 493. I, I know about four friends about that went to basketball games and things like that and had their windows shattered. Mm-hmm. We know some yep. personally. Um, so you can't even park 
in New Orleans at night without worried about your car getting the the windows busted out of and and ransacked through. So that's also a problem. Even even the nonviolent aspects of of crime in New Orleans are ridiculous. But it's going to hurt tourism. It's going to hurt. Well, that's why this. That's why she did a task force thing is to try to appease the the conventions coming in and all that. Hundred percent. If your community's deemed as unsafe and you're the you're the size of New Orleans and that is what you rely on to function, that's a problem. Yeah, like, I, I was told in an interview uh, I did on another podcast that uh, there were there were nineteen hundred uh, officers on NOPD just five years ago and today there's less than 900 so they got half the number of cops on the street they had just a few years ago facing the double the amount of crime one of my oldest rider dies i'm not gonna say his name but he's a captain over the 8th district and he was there the katrina and everything else and he and i worked uniform back in the day and i mean it is what it is it's a shit show yeah, I was I was showing uh, an overlay of the murders uh, at that point in 2022 in New Orleans, and they were concentrated in uh, certain in ward wards, seventh so, and ninth. So, uh, for listeners that don't know, like when I worked in the prison system, it took me a little bit to pick up on it. Um, mail or inmates would holler, another inmate would be like, "Hey." From you from the city, commonly slang for New Orleans, yeah. What ward? So New Orleans is broken down into wards. Um, and I don't know what that's broken down to everywhere else, but the city itself is divided into wards, and each wards has its own police precincts. So well, and the overwhelming majority of these murders were concentrated in that area, and I uh, asked this uh, former officer why, and he said, "Well." Um, we used to have 45 or so narcotics agents. Today we have two. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So those stats That's crazy. are drug dealers, murdering drug dealers, and the police just staying right. at arm's length from it and yeah. kind of letting it happen. Yeah, yeah. I can remember getting calls and, and – like this one place every Sunday night, people came from all out of states, and but you knew when to close, they were going to be fighting. And I would tell my guys when we get the call at a certain time, it came in every Sunday night. I tell them, uh, not on the radio, but I told them, I said, you just take your sweet time getting there. You know why? Because when you get there and there's five of you and there's 600 of them. And they're fighting. If it takes you forty five minutes to get there, they're tired at least. That's right. They're tired, and and the bodies on the ground. If it send them to the hospital or the morgue, and the other ones are stupid enough to be around, then they are. Yeah. Well, we wish the mayor good luck with her task force, and uh, offer up this suggestion. How about we hire some more police? Yeah. Um, and and I was supposed to be there. That's a story for another day. But um, I don't like her. Never liked her. And it is what it is. But you know what? I don't like Mayor Broom either. And I don't like the police chief of Baton Rouge. And he knows that. And he and I used to work together. Yeah. But per capita, Baton Rouge is higher than New Orleans. And I'll, and, and I'll even go on record as saying this. 
Woody and Overton and I both like Mayor Landry from Denham oh, Springs, yeah. right? Yeah, he's a great guy. He's a great guy. <laughs> My dude, favorite mayor, Gerard. All right. He's a great guy. <laughs> yes, he is. Well, time to uh, wrap it up here, boys. Thank you for listening to this Friday the 13th episode of Real Life, Real Crime Daily. I'm Jim Chapman. Thank you. We appreciate y'all so much. Go like, subscribe, leave us a review. Our numbers are fantastic. Y'all evidently like what we're doing. We're going to keep bringing it to you three days a week. I'm Jim Chapman. I'm Woody Overton. And I'm Mike Agavino. And we'll see you next time. Peace! Your business. <laughs> Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Ready for a career in behavioral health? Earn your online degree at Herzing University. Choose from health and human services, psychology, or social work programs. Gain the skills to work, coordinate, and manage nonprofits. Secure a bachelor's in psychology to study mental health or advance your social work career through our online Masters of Social Work. Let us help you become a social change agent. Your future starts now at Herzing University. Text HEALTH to 85109. That's HEALTH to 85109. Or visit herzing.edu.